Welcome back to Sound Insight. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. I thank you and praise you that you are our Father, that you love us so much, that you take care of us and bless us, that your Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts. Lord, help us to grow in faith. Help us to develop, to nurture, to stir into flame the gifts of God that you have so graciously lavished upon us in our baptism. Lord, I, I pray for those who are weak in faith, those who struggle, that they might be strengthened through these words, might be encouraged. And those who are attempting to foster faith in their loved ones, that they would also be motivated. They might find a sense, a source of encouragement and in some insight for taking the next steps. Thank you, Lord. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Look outside, beautiful weather. It's sunny, it's a bright day, uh, and the beauty of nature is all around me. And it's easy to just stop and say, wow, everything, there's so much to be celebrating. There's so much that is good about this world. And yet, why is it so hard to hear God, to see God, to believe that God is involved in all of this? Seems like a lot of people overlook the reality of God. And without falling into the history of the theological and philosophical errors that are at the root of modern-day forms of atheism and the lack of belief— we could do that, but I want to do something that's much more relevant, applicable, meaningful, I think, and um, game-changing, life-changing for you, and, and that is helping you concretely, specifically, to understand more fully the nature of faith as the Catholic Church has reflected on it and taught on it in the course of 2,000 years, but even more importantly, not just understand it, figure out how does that apply to your life? And then how can you help foster a deeper faith in the lives of those you love? Because really, I think that what do we really want for our kids? What do we really want for those that we love the most? Isn't it a rich relationship with the living God? A profound relationship with the living God. A relationship with the living God that leads them, our loved ones, oh, by the way, ourselves too, to flourish. To be able to recognize, oh, these things that I'm thinking about, these things that I'm saying, these things that I'm doing, these things that I'm avoiding, these attitudes that I have, this way of looking at things, these things are not life-giving. These things are not helpful. These things lead into darkness, lead into uh, bondage, spiritual bondage, bondage in our thinking, our attitudes, our behaviors. Just take a look at the way that uh, the, the United States e erupted after the Roe versus Wade being overturned, the decision of the Supreme Court on Friday. We talked about it on Monday on Sound Insight. Um, on Friday, I spent a bit of time on Facebook engaging. I haven't done that in ages. And it was with some classmates of mine from high school. I, I mentioned it a little bit, I think, on, on Monday. But I can see how so much of what um, was embraced was a mindset. It was this whole way of seeing things. And so we want to foster in our kids, I think that you want to foster in yourself and in your kids, a way of looking at the world that is more firmly rooted in the life-giving revelation of what is true, good, and beautiful in Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the full, the fullness of the revelation of God. That God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is, this is reality. This is the reality that grounds everything that is around us. The entire universe is traced back to a cause, a creator that willingly chose, freely chose to pour out into existence life. 
and a sharing of God's own life out of love. That God wants to know you. That God has revealed himself to set you free from the things that hold you back from knowing him. And so even though it's hard, even though believing that the living God knows you is hard for you to maybe sometimes recognize day to day, or especially in when things are hard, faith is this gift that comes from God. It comes from God. Faith isn't just closing my eyes, clinging on, and just saying, I'm going to believe no matter what is happening and what I see around me. I'm just going to believe. I'm going to grit my teeth, uh, and I'm going to bear it. I'm going to get through this. That's not faith. Faith is an infused gift. It's an infused virtue. So it's an infused display of human excellence elevated into its highest relationship, your highest relationship, your first and most important relationship, your relationship with God. Faith is that gift that God gives you so that you can relate to him in a particular way. And we began to unfold that yesterday, that there are these three levels of faith. These three levels of faith that you might sometimes see them talked about as the act of faith, the content of faith, and faith as a relationship, the communion dimension of faith. Faith is an act, faith is content, and faith as relationship. So yesterday in the program, I talked about these first two levels, faith as act and faith as content, credere deum and credere deo. Credere deum was what? I believe God exists. I accept that there is a God. And, and it's not just at the natural level, natural love belief, that through reason alone, you can come to recognize that God exists and is prov- provident, that elementary level. Um, but there's something deeper than that. There's something that um, that Jesus wants you to know that he sees you, he hears your cry, and he's coming to do something about it. And we make that act of faith in God that he has a shepherding care over our lives. That's what led the Israelite leaders to fall down and worship. It wasn't the signs that Moses performed It was the message that says God sees you, he knows you, and he is taking care of you. I believe you, Lord. I believe in you, Lord. So this then develops into the, uh, if you will, that act of faith, the fides qua, that's the other way of talking about it, leads to the fides qua, or the credere deo. (laughs) I believe things about God, or faith, as that which is believed. It's the content of our faith, right? And yesterday I talked about how this content of faith is not just free-floating ideas, but these, this tr- truth of our faith is meant to take root in our lives. There's a dynamism that is connected to the profession of faith. Dynamism, what does that mean? A dynamism in the, in the way that we are disciples that's connected to the content of faith. Probably the easiest way to draw that out is to point to the way that the Catechism of the Catholic Church unfolds all of its content. Catechism is, it comes from a a Greek word that means the process of making disciples. So catechesis is rooted in the process of making, becoming, becoming and growing as a, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus. And if you look at the catechism, there are these four pillars, these four pillars that hold up our life of faith. And the first is the profession of faith. It's the, it's the content of faith. It's the things that we believe about God. But what we believe about God, that God has revealed to us, he reveals to us that he is the Blessed Trinity. We don't make that up. It's revealed in Christ. But the first part of the Catechism, what is believed, what is revealed and we believe, is communicated to us in the sacraments. 
So that which we believe is communicated to us in the sacraments. That's the second pillar of the catechism. It then takes root and manifests itself in our lives. Life in Christ is the third part of the catechism, talking about the commandments and the Beatitudes. It's how we actually live. So what is revealed is poured forth, communicated into our hearts, into our lives, takes root, manifests itself in how we live our lives, and then it leads back to God in prayer, the fourth part of the catechism. So you see this dynamism of revelation pouring forth, the taking root, the unbinding and setting free, redemption, sanctification, which is the process by which we become ever closer to God in holiness in the life of prayer, brings us back to God in the fullness of union that we await with him in heaven. That's the dynamism, creation, redemption, sanctification, ultimately divinization, where we come back to God and share in his life forever as children of God. That process is connected to this whole life of faith. Yeah, I believe that God exists and he knows me and he's communicating his life to me. And all of that is connected to the content of faith. We talked about that. We talked about the, the way that that profession of faith is, is, about, is, is about living a certain life. Right? When you profess the faith at Mass, what's your stance? You're not sitting. You're not watching someone else do it. No, you take a stand. For to profess a faith is to take a stand. It's to say, this is what I believe. This is where I stand. This is what I stand up for. And boy, you think about that now more than ever with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, with the Dobbs decision. You were there. You, you might not have been there 50 years ago when Roe versus Wade happened, but you'll remember June the 25th, 25th, 6, 7, 8, 9, 25th, the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the Nativity of John the Baptist, no, 24th, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. <laughs> uh, yes, the, the 24th, when the overturning happened, now all of a sudden it's, where do you stand? Where do you stand? How do you stand in these matters? And it led to some really interesting conversations where people are realizing that, you know what? You're not going to be able to hide or uh, obscure where you stand on these things. And sadly, there are some who are uh, misguided, believe lies, and in their rage, they are attacking Catholic churches. Why? The Catholic Church, in its profession of faith, we take a stand for life. And so I'm aware of two churches in the Archdiocese of Seattle that have been vandalized. Probably more have been, but I'm just personally, privately aware of two that have been vandalized. God bless us. Um, broken stained glass windows, vile messages, defacing things, etc. Um, and you know what? That's a reaction to standing up for your faith. But that standing up in faith, right, is a confessio of faith. It's a witnessing. It's a shining forth. And that confession of faith is what they identify of those who are martyria, martyrs, witnesses to their faith. So there's quite a lot at stake in this gift of faith that is given to us in baptism. This gift of faith is is a taking root in manifesting God's own life, God's own truth, God's own light, God's own plan for humanity in the world and in a fallen world, in a sinful world, where the devil is still at work, you're going to have impacts that will attempt to um, shut down and stifle the light of Christ. We're called to be salt, light, and leaven, but there will be powerful forces that attempt to stop that from advancing. So don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. The third level of faith is this, oh, the, and then the last part is this is handing on, right? This handing on of faith that there's the traditio, that which I, uh, I hand on to you is what I've received, right? That if you don't hand on what you've received, you've betrayed it. It's so close in Latin, the word, the difference between handing on and handing over. 
you will either hand on the faith faithfully or you'll betray it. You'll hand it over like Judas handed over Jesus to the, uh, to the, to the, uh, to the guards, the, the guards of the uh, Sanhedrin. And so I want to move forward today and talk more about faith in its third level, faith as relationship. And we'll do that in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. Talking about faith. So we grow in the act of faith by making acts of faith. I believe. Jesus, help my unbelief. Jesus, I believe that you know where I am. You know my name, that you see my sufferings. You've heard my cries and that you have not abandoned me. You don't have your back turned. You haven't forgotten about me. That You are with me and you are with my wife. You are with my family. You are with us, Lord. Even though it's hard, even though it is suffering, there's suffering involved, Lord. I believe. And all of a sudden now that act of faith that puts into that 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 acts us to stand on the content of our faith, that God is faithful, that Jesus is the revelation of the Good Shepherd, the faithful God who's come to rescue and set free and that he has not left us orphans, and that he will be with us until the end of time. The fundamental promise of the Old Testament, I will be with you. I will be with you until the end of time. So very important. And so this then leads to the third level of faith. Remember now, credere deum, credere deo. Now it's credere in deum. I believe in God. Right? So the fides... Qua, the act of faith, gives rise to the fides qua, that which we believe, and then that gives rise to the fides qua creditor, which is the ongoing act of faith. I believe in you, Lord. And when you think about this idea of faith as relationship, that that's essential. If we don't get that part right, we are missing out on this idea that we actually understand what faith is at all. You might remember in 2012, Pope Benedict, no, wait a minute, was it 2012? I think it was. Um, Pope uh, Benedict had a year of faith. And in his year of faith, it might have been a few years earlier than that. It was in that range, somewhere between 2008, 2012. Uh, he had a year of faith and focused on the theme of faith. And he released a document, and uh, Deus Caritas Es, God is Love, and in it is probably the most famous quote from his pontificate. And you've heard me talk about it before on Sound Insight. It, when I first read it, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. This is incredible. Um, I, in fact, put it on the inside cover of my mass book, uh, it's just that important. Being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea, but the encounter with an event, a person, Jesus Christ, which gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. Let me say it again. Being Christian, are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Christ? Well, being Christian, if we're going to be followers of Christ, if we're going to live as followers of Christ, not the result, what causes Christian faith, not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea. We'll have to come back to those two. An ethical choice or a lofty idea. But being a Christian is the result of an encounter with an event, which by the way, those two words, encounter and vent, very strong words in the theology and philosophy of Pope Benedict. The, what is the, how do you encounter an event? <laughs> Not just encounter with an event, but a person, Jesus Christ, which gives life. So there's an encounter that happens in the form of an event, and that encounter is with the person, Jesus Christ, is such that it gives life a new horizon, what does that mean, a new horizon, and a decisive direction. Okay, so that one sentence, 
is so packed, but it offers so much guidance to us regarding how we ought to see faith and how we can grow in faith. So he begins with something that is probably a a bit of a surprise, but it's a really important corrective to often common ways that Catholics, many Catholics, think about their faith. What do I mean? Well, in common parlance, popularly speaking, have you ever heard it said, that's not very Christian? What you're doing there, that's not very Christian. As if Christianity is reducible to a moral code, uh, a way of behaving or living. And we can often think that we are being Christian because we are living a moral life, ethical choices. Being Christian, we would be thinking, is the result of ethical choices. But Pope Benedict says being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice. Now, are there ethical choices that are connected to being Christian? Absolutely. Does that make you a Christian? Benedict says no. There's something more to being Christian than saying, I follow this code of life. I follow this code of ethics. I follow these moral ideals. These are the values I hold to in my life. And if I'm doing all of those things, I'm Christian. Well, when I was 18 and a half and I had my awakening of faith, I was talking with a dear friend of mine, Mark, who is now a Discalc Carmelite friar. At the time, so he's a a priest and a religious. Uh, At the time, I was saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I, you know, it's Jesus. And, And the problem was this, was that he was living a more ethical life than I was. He was more respectful. He was less sarcastic. He wasn't snarky. He uh, wasn't doing, he wasn't given over to excesses and just living a really like solid moral life at least from the visible standpoint that I was aware of, and I was his best friend, knew him rarely well. The guy didn't have outward vices that I was aware of. But he didn't believe in God. So he, he was making ethical choices, but he was uh, overtly not a believer in God. So being a Christian is just not a result of, of saying, as long as I'm living these, this moral code or making these ethical choices, I'm good, thumbs up, I'm Christian. No. It involves that, but it is more than that. There's something prior to it that undergirds it. There's something that will lead to it that will necessarily overflow in it and will be convicting our lives if we fall short of doing it. Did you get all that? In other words, if you are being Christian in the mind of Benedict, yes, you will be making ethical choices all the time and be challenged to up your game to to even purify your moral reasoning and, and how it is you're living. Absolutely. But don't mistake a result for a cause. Don't mistake a fruit for a seed or a source. So being Christian is not the result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea. And I think that's one of the other, maybe even today more common, ways that some Catholics can identify the fact that they are faithful Catholics because of the lofty ideas that they are able to name. I believe what the Church teaches, and here's what the Church teaches, and I can give you the doctrine. I can tell you the the counsel. I can quote the catechism. I can point to the Bible. Sometimes it's in a a mode that is apologetics-based, where we're right, you're wrong, And I'm going to quote text this pope or that pope. I'm going to point to other believers and say they fall short in this and that way. So lofty ideas. And, And you know what? Are there lofty ideas 
that are part of being Catholic? Absolutely. The loftiest of the lofty ideas, nothing loftier. Um, but whether it's an apologetics-based approach or even, frankly, just sort of an intellectual desire to control, not enough. That's not sufficient. Being Christian is not the result of having studied and read a lot of books by Catholic authors so that, therefore, I know my faith, therefore, I'm being Christian. Benedict is saying, yeah, there are lofty ideas. Trust me, think about it. How many more profound Catholic theologians were alive in the last 50 years than Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI? Not many. And so he was full of writing lofty ideas in his life, but didn't identify that with being Christian. Does that mean we shouldn't read a lot of books or learn about apologetics and all those other things? Absolutely not. It doesn't mean that. It does mean that we should not equate the idea of growing in faith with simply studying lofty ideas. Okay, Whew. so we're clearing away the obstacles. Now we are getting to the heart of the matter. Well, if being Christian is not caused by ethical choices or caused by learning lofty ideas, where does it come from? It comes from an encounter. Okay, we have to figure out what an encounter is here. An encounter with an event. What is an event? That's another interesting word. And it's not just an encounter with an event, but the encounter with an event that is a person, Jesus Christ. And then there are other qualities. The, 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 how do you know if you've had such an encounter with Jesus Christ in the, that has this event quality? Well, it'll give your whole, you'll give your life a whole new horizon, and it'll give your life a, lot, a decisive direction. It's one of those, I met, I had an encounter with Jesus that I could not forget. You've heard the phrase by now. I think I first heard it back in 1990. I heard a word I could not unhear. I heard a word I could not unhear. That is a, a form of encounter that has a decisive impact. Changes the whole horizon of my life. It changes the direction in a decisive way of my life. So what is the encounter with an event, a person that gives life, your life, my life, a new horizon in a decisive direction? Well, I have an example in my own life. This happened to me. It happened to me when I was 18 and a half. The summer after my freshman year in college, when my faith was challenged, I went to my pastor at St. Malachi Catholic Church, Father Joe Riley, and told him that my faith was being challenged by a couple of guys. And these were two guys that grew up with us. In fact, the older brother of my friend Mark, um, who they had this awakening of faith. They both encountered Christ. They both joined two different churches. And what was common about them, one was fundamentalist, one was more charismatic, Pentecostal, was that they were both anti-Catholic. Both challenged me and my older brother and told us that because we're Catholic, we were going to hell because the Catholic Church was the whore of Babylon, wasn't an authentic church, but a heresy. And we had to repent of our sins, accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and read the Word, because the Word is our authority. Okay, I didn't know how to respond to any of that. So I went to Father Joe, and uh, thank God for, uh, for Father Joe. He was able to help me understand the Scriptures and learn how to read the Scriptures in a Catholic way. But more than that, that night, he brought me out to the chapel uh, of St. Malachi's Church, and he said, a personal relationship with Jesus? He said, you want to meet Jesus? He's right there. You know that. There's the tabernacle, and the tabernacle is the host. The host isn't just a remembrance of Jesus. The host is the real living presence of Jesus Christ. And if you want to meet him, if you want to know that he's real, ask him, and he will show himself to you. Ask him, and he will reveal himself to you. And he left me there. I went to the front row of the pew, and I was sitting there. I was looking at the tabernacle, and I prayed. I said, Jesus, if you're real, please show yourself to me. 
Jesus, if you're really there, make yourself known to me. Reveal yourself to me. And I love when I, when I do this in, in talks. I'm very dramatic about it. And then I say, the tabernacle door opened. And I do it very dramatically. And then I say, no, it didn't. Everybody laughs. Because when I say the tabernacle door opened, there's the, ah, like the audible gasp, like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. This is amazing. This is an event. There's an event quality. Okay, now we're getting at that word event. An event has, has to do with the understanding of time. And by that I mean that, and, and Pope Benedict did a tremendous amount of study on the nature of time. Uh, not getting into all that today, but simply put, think of time as having a horizontal dimension and a vertical dimension. The horizontal dimension of time is what we normally think about, and that's from the past to the future, right? And there's the movement from the past to the future. And what is the third coordinate when you're talking about the nature of time? Well, you have the past, you have the future, and you have the present, right? And the present moment is the moment that is the constant, what? The constant movement, the constant movement from the past to the future. But in that present moment, the moment of the present, that's the place where time has a vertical dimension, not a horizontal, not passing from past to future. Uh, I'm sorry, from future to past. <laughs> but the breaking into time, the breaking open of time, the unexpected happening in the midst of time, in the present, that's an event. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran, and I'm talking about time. I'm talking about an event. I'm talking about an encounter. I'm building off of what Pope Emeritus Benedict discusses as really the heart and the root of faith, the deepest dimension of faith, is this dimension of relationship, this dimension of meeting, of communing. But there is no relationship, meeting, and communion that has any existential quality to it if there isn't an encounter uh, with Jesus. And this encounter happens by way of an event. Remember now, an event is the breaking into time. It's not the passing of time from the future to the past through the present. But if you focus on the moment of the present, how often do you have moments that are just richer, more impactful, more powerful? And those moments that are very special are often connected to relationships. The moment when he asked me to marry him, the moment when she said, I do, the moment when I first said, I love you. Uh, you, you can think of uh, the moment when our first child was born, the moment when we discovered that we were pregnant. You, you, can, you could identify the most meaningful, powerful, impactful happenings in relationships, and they are what? They're events. They're these moments that break into the ordinary flow of time, and they explode the ordinariness, and they reveal that something extraordinary has occurred. And we get that at the human level. We get that at the most important relationships in our lives. What about you and Jesus? What about you and Jesus? At that moment, when I was 18 and a half, and I was praying, I was seeking, I was asking, I was knocking, Jesus, if you're really there, please show yourself to me. From an external objective standpoint, from an observer watching it, Nothing extraordinary happened. It was an 18 and a half year old guy sitting in a pew looking at a tabernacle. And there was no noise. There was no jumping up and down. There was no bright light. But at that moment, my life changed. 
decisively. The horizon of what I saw from my life, the, the, the background picture, right? That which I was looking at as the overarching view of what my life was about, it changed that night. The direction that I had when I was walking out of that chapel differed in decisive ways from what happened when I was walking into that chapel. I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. I'd been in that chapel hundreds of times, probably, no, really, I'm thinking multiple hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times in the course of my life. If you think of all the times I went to church, yeah, more than a thousand times in that church. And uh, in that chapel, walking past that tabernacle, saying prayers, going to mass, going to confession, being an altar boy. And yet, what happened that night, the event quality, the event quality, the, the, the extraordinary inbreaking that happened changed everything. I had had what Pope Benedict was talking about, an encounter with an event, a person, Jesus Christ, that gives life a new horizon and a decisive direction. Walking into that chapel, I was someone who was wrestling to understand how to respond to friends that had become anti-Catholic and struggling to figure out what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus in a personal way. I was also a student of electrical engineering who loved programming and building computers. I walked out of there with this sense of Jesus Christ is the living Lord and I've encountered him. I want to know him and love him and serve him. And the rest of that summer and then the next year, was all about Jesus. Even though I ended up going to school for one more year as electrical engineering, my desire interests just faded off and it was reflected in my grades. <laughs> Other stories to tell there, but my passionate pursuit of Jesus in the scriptures, in adoration, through the rosary, through living and discovering my Catholic faith, it was all new. It was all different because of the encounter. Was I living a moral life before that? Yeah. I was. I was making ethical choices. Did I believe Catholic things? Yeah, I was. Didn't know how to defend it, didn't have a profound understanding of it, but I was firmly Catholic in my the lofty ideas I believed and in the ethical choices I was making. Everything that was different when I had the encounter. And so when you hear Carrie and me talk about we want for our kids a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want for our kids to put them into situations and settings where they will be invited to open themselves, to ask, seek, and knock for that encounter. When we are praying to the Lord, Lord, please, we as parents are begging you, do not hold back. We long for our kids to have an encounter with you. This is what we're talking about. We are talking about this kind of reality. And what's the difference that this reality makes? So let me go back to this encounter with the event, the person, Jesus Christ, that gave my life a new horizon and a decisive direction. It was the light of faith. What happened in that encounter was that I went from a belief that God exists to a belief that Jesus is present in the Eucharist, to an encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, it wasn't as if I hadn't encountered Christ previously in the Eucharist, but it was in a different way. This was a moment of, of awakening. This was a moment of breakthrough. This was a moment of breaking in. This was a moment of a decisive encounter, so that I knew that I was known by Jesus. I knew in my, in my gut, in my heart, in the core of my being, 
that Jesus Christ, the living Lord, was there as Eucharist, and that he saw me, he knew me, he loved me, he was loving me, and it was like a light came on. So this is why the church talks about lumen fide, the light of faith, that faith brings light, not a belief in the dark. No, faith brings light. And it's not just um, like a functional a functional light. Oh, it's so much easier now that there's a light on in the room rather than darkness. No, this is a a light that is um, bringing a sense of of the reality of God at work in the world, at work in in my world, at work in my heart. Uh, th- that that whole you know you hear sometimes um, in evangelical circles this idea of when did you accept Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior, right? The altar call, all of this. I, I don't know how much of what I'm talking about overlaps with that, but let me say that what Pope Benedict is saying is that being Christian is traced back to this encounter and that without the encounter that goes to the very heart, Pope Benedict said earlier as Cardinal Ratzinger, all of our beliefs, all of the commandments, all of these things that we choose weigh heavy on our shoulders. They weigh heavy on our shoulders. They're burdens rather than something that sets us free. And so the personal relationship with Jesus Christ that is intimate, that is profound, that is life-giving, that dimension of of faith is, it changed everything for me. It, it really did. It, it changed my life. And, um, and so uh, I, I want to encourage you that if this is something that is awkward or foreign or sounds strange, it's utterly Catholic. This is utterly Catholic. And it's, it's something that the Lord intends for us. He intends it for you. That Jesus wants you to know just how much he sees you and loves you, and, and he wants you to experience that love in encounter. And so there are lots of ways to do that, right? Going before him in the Blessed Sacrament. Again, it's, it's why I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's why I so often encourage Catholics and my own kids and, and my own family's faith to go to adoration. To go to adoration precisely because it's a place of encounter. He's really there. It changed my life, and I want it to change my kids' lives as well. Back in a minute, I'm going to talk about the other persons of the Trinity and faith. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you. So I'm talking about growing in faith. And growing in faith is um, as growing in the relationship dimension. Not faith as an act, not faith as content, but faith as a relationship, as communing, as union with God. And it, it makes the, guess what? It makes the uh, ethical choices and the lofty ideas, those other aspects that are part of our faith, come alive as well. All of a sudden, the idea of pleasing the Lord honoring him and all that I say, think, and do is really beautiful. It's something that um, I, I'm hungry to do. It's something that I yearn to do. I, I don't want to let him down. It, now, following the commandments is a personal thing. Making ethical choices in the light of faith is something that I'm so motivated to do. I, I want to please Jesus. And then growing in my understanding of faith is growing in my understanding of who Jesus is and who the Father is and who the Holy Spirit is. And all of a sudden, I have a deeper hunger to learn lofty ideas, to use again the language of Pope Benedict. But it's something that I, when so few Catholics are familiar with this kind of language, it makes me so sad. It was what was the driving force in my own ministry, when I started my Catholic Faith Ministries, it was all about helping Catholics to discover the beauty, truth, and goodness, the riches of our faith, to live it more fully, to appreciate its beauty, to understand its truth, and to live its goodness more fully. The passage that was the motto was, Rise and Come Forward. Mark 3.3, 3, Rise and Come Forward. 
because it was the story of the man with the withered hand. He's in the synagogue, so he's a man of Jewish faith. He's there, he's practicing his faith, and yet Jesus calls him out of the crowd. He's just in the crowd, and he's living a withered hand existence. And Jesus says, I see you. I'm calling you out from the crowd. I'm having you stand right here in the center, and I'm going to interact with you. And when I have this encounter with you, this event, this my breaking into your life, you are going to give up a withered hand existence. You're going you're gonna to flourish. You're going to become a sign and a wonder. I'm not going to just perform a sign and a wonder. You're going to become a sign and a wonder. Your very existence is going to be marked in a, in a profound way by this encounter that you've had with me. And that's why I had Mark 3, 3, rise and come forward. That that's what the Lord is calling you and me to do. Rise, come forward. Don't just stay in the crowd. Don't just think that there is no living God that is calling you out and wants to have that encounter with you. So ask for that. Seek that. Long for that. And everything will change. Everything changes about our practice of the faith when it is traced back to and, and moves from the encounter with Jesus. Oh, by the way, my book, The Mass, did you ever notice the language? Four encounters with Jesus that will change your life. It was based on the theology of events. Events. That you can look at the Mass through the theological concept of an event as compared to what? Well, as compared to find the biblical uh, relation the biblical connections with the different parts of the mass or understand the symbolism and the rituals and the history of their development or explore the the theology of this or that phrase or or the unfolding of the liturgy but you can also use the theology of event and that's what i did was i focused on the presence of christ at mass that has four manifestations of his presence in the word as Eucharist, of course, in the community that gathers, and the priest. That all these can become places of encounter, places of this event, this breaking in of Christ, that will change your life. Remember now, that whole idea of this decisive transformation. So that, that idea, I wrote the book before, Benedict, and his phrase, but when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's so fitting. It's just such a beautiful, beautiful match between what I did in the book um, to help Catholics come alive in faith through that encounter with Christ at Mass. So it's, it's, not, uh, it's not like, oh, this is just a, a Protestant thing. No, this is at the center of our understanding of the Mass as well. So, um, so that's with regards to Jesus and growing in a personal relationship with Jesus. And you can see how faith all of a sudden is about trusting Jesus. Jesus, I trust you because I know you. You know me, and so I trust you, and I put myself into your hands. Now that idea of surrendering your life to Jesus, is, it's, it's about a total gift of oneself to the Lord who's broken into your life. He wants to come in and he wants to be in the center of your heart, the center of your being, the center of how you see yourself, the center of how you're living. He wants you to entrust yourself fully to him. There we go. That's the deepest center of faith. It's an act of self-abandonment, the self-gift that is total. That it is, when I, when I talk about the gift of faith and, and I pray for an increase in faith, that we give ourselves to the Lord freely, completely, and forever. Freely, completely, and forever. Freely, not forced. Completely, not partially. And forever, no take-backs. Not just for while we're praying. That's the deepest act of faith. This complete trust and entrustment of oneself, of all that we are, all that we have, all that we love, all those we know, everything into your hands and heart, Jesus, freely, completely, and forever. That's the depth of faith. If I had more time, I would dig into the way in which this relationship with Jesus is one of the persons of the Trinity, that you can also develop a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can come to know the Holy Spirit in an intimate, personal, profound, and life-giving way. And I have a whole other testimony of how a 
blind priest in confession was moved to bring me into a place where I would be seeking, asking, and knocking Jesus on the, the door of Jesus' heart for a more intimate relationship with His Holy Spirit, with you, Holy Spirit, that I would become fire and sponge, that those were the, the symbols in my own prayer for years that I would come to know and sense the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And that's what connects to what I was talking about in the last week or so, this reality of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying for a deeper yielding to, a deeper release and empowerment of the gift of the Holy Spirit poured forth in baptism and in confirmation. That it's the Holy Spirit, not just the gifts of the Spirit, no, the Spirit of the gifts. It's we are called into an intimacy, uh, an experience of the love of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our life of faith. That's our Catholic inheritance. Our Catholic inheritance is Pentecost, come alive in the sacrament of confirmation. But how many Catholics look like they've experienced Pentecost? Think of their own lives as having experienced what? Having had an encounter with the event, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost. That's something that is our inheritance. The theology of confirmation is that's our personal Pentecost. We're drawn into that. And then we could talk about the person of the Father. And how do we come into an encounter with the person of the Father and coming to know the Father as Abba, Father, the Father of mercies, the God of all consolation, the Father almighty, the Father ineffable, the Father of Jesus Christ. This God is big. This God encompasses all. This God is an ocean of mercy. And am I willing to allow this Father to express his fatherly love for me, to pour his fatherly love over me and be at work in me, to have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus cry out within me, Abba, Father. All of a sudden, oh my goodness, my Catholic life is all bound up in the three persons of the Trinity. This whole circulation of the three persons of the Trinity. The more deeply I come to know and love Jesus and look him in the eyes, uh, and realize that he's calling me to be a member of the bride of Christ, that his spirit is poured forth in my heart, and that he then helps me come to see the Father. For we only see the Father through the Son. No one sees the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son reveals him. So this whole circulation of the Trinity, this is faith. This is the fullness of faith as relationship. It's Trinitarian relationships. It's being drawn into Trinitarian communion and relationships with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. This is what I long for. For Carrie, for each of my kids, for each of you, for all my loved ones. This is faith. I hope and pray that this was a blessing to you. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sign Insight.